Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a question and answer session that followed my talk about the Crimson Days event. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live. I might be live right now, twitch.tv slash say no to rage. So come on in and hang out. If I'm not live, be sure to stop by and click the follow button so you can catch these videos and these talks. I do them all the time. Uh, we're going to jump right into the Q&A. First question from... Cesaruna, in previous Q&As you said that we don't need sets due to the lack of need for additional power, but what about sets that don't add power? Like a Shattered Throne specifically had a set that could come with fusion rifle perks, so people could go in there and get a uniform, nice-looking set, which also serves the purpose of supporting the fusion rifle playstyle. Would those additions have to be okay? Well, I don't don't necessarily know, again, why you would do this, though. Why does the fusion rifle playstyle need help? Like, you're not You said that you understand what I'm saying, but then you're creating a set bonus that that isn't that is it just isn't needed. Uh, C Mac, thank you so much. That's probably a resub. Welcome back. Why would you need the fusion playstyle to be enhanced? And then why would you why would you get a fusion playstyle enhancement? from the Shattered Throne, right? I mean, with random rolls too, like if you get a full set of that gear, what would you do with the perks? Like there's a lot of things with this idea that I just, again, if the only way that like set bonuses, cause set bonuses are kind of a min-maxing thing. I mean, up to this point we had perks on raid on raid gear, but you didn't have to wear the full set and you'd get like the perk. And I think that was a better way of doing it. And then, they just decided to not do that in Destiny 2 because they said they wanted people to have more freedom or something and they drop very very inconsistently drop mods that are specific to a certain enemy type which I think is ridiculously narrow and unhelpful so I as far as set bonuses go I just don't think the game the game is at a place where that would be needed now if it was an increase in damage efficiency and how resilient you were that has a place if they bring you know layers of difficulty if you suddenly are raising strikes and public event areas and nightfalls to 650 power level well then you would say okay now I feel the need to maximize I really feel the need to maximize my my how hard my gun hits or how how strong my armor is these these are these are stats that don't matter even even in the hardest content in Destiny, they don't matter. But they would matter if you were suddenly in an environment where the, you were taking the, the damage output of the enemies and the health of the enemies all the way to the tippity top. That would be that would be a context where that's needed. This is why the world tiers in Division and the tiers of difficulty in Anthem make sense. They make sense because you're you're giving people a context to where those increases in power land there's no context right now for that le- that kind of min maxing those those minor additions of power there's just no context for that right now in destiny you know there's like there's nothing like what what content are you going to go into where you're like yes i'm really really glad that i can get a little bit more damage or a little bit more efficiency from these fusion rifles that i have I'm not against the idea of having thematic armor either. Like if you're saying certain armor pieces would have a certain theme, I think that's fine too. But again, if there's no pain point, it's not necessarily, uh, it doesn't feel like it solves anything. We're pretty much at the ceiling of efficiency of content. Do we need harder content? I mean, I don't know if we need harder content. I'm just saying that those two kind of go hand in hand. If you're going to add a min-maxing you know, element to destiny set bonuses that make you stronger with respect to damage or tankier with respect to your health or whatever, whatever bonuses they're going to give. If you're going to add that, those are typically the kind of things that are a part of a min maxing game. You know, the set bonuses in division and the like, you're typically doing that because the game is giving you a context where those differences will be profoundly felt. And I don't know if you feel those differences when you go into a game like Destiny, where once you hit max level, nothing is really challenging. Nothing is really at your at your power. 
Because, like, in Anthem, you're going to get to a point where hard is boring because you're stacked to the rafters, and then you up the difficulty to Grandmaster 1. It's like a, I call it a spiral staircase. It's you're, you're looping, but the loop is going it's going up. And it's changing and becoming more difficult uh, accordingly. So, I just think set bonuses have a context that, that, that doesn't exist in Destiny right now. Rage Pepper... Thoughts on quartering YouTube vid on Bungie rumors saying matter seems interesting. Uh, hope you make a segment. Lots of info. I mean, I've not seen it. So your question, I can't answer your question with any substance. T-Funk Crimson Days has always been a PVP event and originally launched when Destiny 2 was near its lowest player base. Do you think that was their reasoning for not adding a lot of new stuff? It, this could all be, this could all be tactical with respect to the fact that there's a lot going on in the gaming world right now. Anthem is launching this week, Division's launching next month, and they knew they knew this was coming. They knew this after E3 it was very clear that this time of year was going to be jam-packed full of stuff. And they may have just said, "You know what? Let's not put a whole lot of work into Crimson Days." You know, if we if we put a ton of work into Crimson Days, it's gonna be a bit of a it's gonna be a bit of a of a, of a lead balloon anyway, because a lot of people are gonna be looking to Anthem. A lot of people are gonna be playing the games that are coming out in March. I mean, there's a lot going on right now. I mean, Apex Legends couldn't have even been anticipated, but Apex Legends is in there too, pulling people away from the PvP. So that's why I said I thought Season of the Drifter was gonna be intentionally the weakest point in the annual pass. I, I feel I feel like that's an easy prediction to make just because of the nature of what's launching and when it's launching. And, you know, Bungie knows that all that blood and treasure spent on that content could, to some degree, be wasted. I don't want to use the word wasted, like, liberally here. Like, oh, it's just a complete waste of time. Why bother even putting out content right now? But it would be, to a degree, somewhat wasted given that the launch window of a lot of games right now is is surrounding uh this time so in in my in my mind i think that bungie doesn't necessarily dictate their their they don't dictate their delivery around what other games do but i do think other games are a part of the discussion jinja 300 Crimson Days was the last scheduled piece of content for Season of the Forge. What are your overall thoughts of this season now that we've had the full season it has to offer? Man, great question. I should probably do a talk and and review Season of the Forge. I think Season of the Forge got off to a rocky start. It has it has recovered in my in my estimation and it did very very well up until we got to like February. I think most of December and January we saw good player engagement numbers. We saw people grinding. And I think the, the the more streamlined leveling brought a lot of people back. They thought, oh, if I can level up faster, primes are dropping more often, milestones are giving me bigger jumps. I think that brought a lot of people back. I think the content loop of doing the bounties is a really, really good fit for Destiny. And I think overall, the forges are good content. I do think Niobe Labs deflated some of that momentum because it ticked off people on all edges of the spectrum. People that just wanted to jump in and do the next forge were ticked. People that invested tons of time, myself, people on Reddit, people in the in the audience, felt that the, the conclusion of it was pretty ho-hum. It just wasn't, I don't know, the, the puzzles were great, but then the puzzles kind of short-circuited themselves. So, I think Niobe Labs kind of it was a it was a total mixed bag of response from the community and Niobe Labs could have been a really really great piece of endgame content that that was such great potential so I think overall out of 10 I give season of the forge like a really strong seven it could have been a nice eight eight and a half but the beginning was rocky and Niobe Labs kind of struggled and kind of tripped on itself a little bit and then Crimson Days has been was a pretty weak event the dawning was a great event I thought I thought that was a I thought it was so good there was so much you could do so much you could earn I thought the dawning was fantastic I really do. I thought they did a good job. It just set the cool holiday tone. You were earning tons of stuff. It was it was a persistent earn rate of just, you know, wherever you were, whatever you were doing. If you were running a if you were running a strike or a nightfall, if you were running, you know, the forges or pubs. I don't know. It was just nice. Crim- that's why Crimson Days just feels so weird. It's like 
you cut it short and there's nothing to really do or earn, you know? It just didn't, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't send a message of periodic events are going to be fun and rewarding. It just feels like a tack on. But again, in the grand scheme of the schedule, it kind of makes sense for this to be a time where they don't put a lot of, they don't put a lot of work on the table. It would be overshadowed by Anthem and Division. It's time to coast, and then Season of the Drifter, I think, will be good. I think Season of the, uh, Season of the Shadow, I think Penumbra is going to be really, really good. I think Penumbra will be the best piece of the annual pass, and it'll really turn things around. I think leveling is going to be significantly better when Penumbra finally lands. They'll have better boomerang things in place, and I think the content's going to be great. I just have a really good feeling about it. They've got plenty of time to really make it strong and pivot it, and I think it'll it'll really land the annual pass for a lot of people. And I think that'll be a good time to do that, to put a lot of chips on the table because people will say, okay, you know, the annual pass hasn't been good so far, but man, I've been hearing nothing but good things, and dude, look at how fast you can level up now. We can catch up and do all the new stuff in no time. Uh, I think I think Penumbra is going to be the a good a good capstone to the annual pass. Rough start. It'll have a thin middle, but it'll have a strong end. T-Funk. CD has been a PvP, uh, and this is the first time they've added PvE to CD. Do you think the live events should be... Oh, Crimson Days has been a PvP event, and this is the first time they added PvE to Crimson Days. Do you think the live events should be PvE, PvP, Gambit, or a mix? Personally, I prefer live events to go down different avenues so we do something other than play PvE only. I, You're welcome to have this opinion. I don't, think, I don't think this opinion lands on the player base. Because the player base clearly prefers PvE. And even if it was a straight split down the middle, let's say it was an even 50-50 split down the middle, half the community was playing PvP and the other half was playing uh, PvE more regularly. I, I, I still think that this doesn't land on the community. If you're going to do a free event for everyone, it's not, it doesn't cost anything. Anybody can do it. It should be, I personally think it should be a mix of both. So both sides of the player base feel like they kind of have something. I think that's just a smart business decision. We can talk about whether or not there should be a thematic thrust of a live event or not. I mean, that's kind of opinion that's subjective and that's totally fine. We can, we can share those opinions, but from a business standpoint, if you're going to be telling people, Hey, all season long, we're going to be injecting the game with periodically like free events that are going to allow you to kind of come in and have something to do. I think it's a mistake to to dilute or gut that value point by limiting it to one half of the game if that makes sense it's like if this is meant to be if this is meant to be something that kind of pulls pulls the community in and kind of reinvigorates the base I don't think you successfully do that or I don't think you do that very well if it appeals to half of the community so King Boomstick what type of content do you want to see in year three? What can you expect from Bungie before D three? In the in the next uh, in the next sort of phase, as we get out of the annual pass, I think that we're going to get a DLC in September. I think it's already been worked on. I do still think we're getting the Taken Queen. After that, I think we're going to get another annual pass, but I do think it will probably be noticeably thinner. They're just going to, I think there's going to be a sharper internal pivot at desk at Bungie to work on the next game, which means that <clears throat> all existing projects will be delivered upon because right now they said that Penumbra vicarious visions is finishing their swan song, which is Penumbra, right? So Penumbra isn't being, isn't being primarily worked on by Bungie. So either Bungie right now is all hands on deck for Destiny 3, or they're finishing the next DLC. They also said that Forsaken, High Moon Studios helped them with Forsaken. What if High Moon Studios polished off Forsaken while Bungie pivoted to the next big DLC? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, there could have been a lot of internal shifts to enable them to do that. Since High Moon helped them with Forsaken, I didn't know that until I read that, and if VV is working on Penumbra, well then, that in my mind means Bungie has been freed up to work on something. Now, again, it could be a total full court press shift to D3, or 
it could be them finishing the Taken Queen so that they can deliver the Taken Queen in September. Because if you really want to, if you really want to jumpstart the, the kind of the the end of Destiny Two and really have it be great, I think that'd be a really really good way to do it. Forsaken was an absolute triumph and a game changer for the franchise. Taken Queen could be the next step in the game's evolution to say we can invest in an existing game and we're going to continue to make good on this game while while we look towards the next as well. So. There's no way there's not a second comet coming in the fall. Yeah, a, a lot of people have said, but won't, don't they need to shift to the next game? Don't they need to set their sights on D3? I think that's true. Yes, they do. But if since the beginning of Destiny 2's launch, Luke Smith said the end game credits where the light of the traveler hits all the places, that's the order of the DLC. It hits Mercury, that's Curse, then it hits Mars, that's Warmind, then it hits the Reef, that's Forsaken, then it hits the Dreadnought. They've known that and had to have been working on that since then, which means something was in process, something was in production for September. Something is in production for the Dreadnought. And there was that, wasn't there like a cutscene or a load screen that that showed us going to the Dreadnought that got into the game by mistake? That already happened, didn't it? So... I'm, I'm fairly certain. I'm fairly certain we're getting, we're getting something in September. But... Plans could change. It could get chopped. It could get shoved into next year. They could take whatever was planned for September and break that up and turn that into the annual pass. There's a lot of things that could happen. But I do think we're going to be getting more content in Destiny 2 beyond Penumbra. I do think that. Chaos Nomad. Now that Bungie has split from Activision, do you think we'll just keep getting annual passes from now now on, or will we see another Taken Queen? I mean, I just spoke to this, so there's a couple possibilities here. I'm more of the mindset that we will get the Taken Queen and then a another annual pass, but the annual pass will be quite a bit noticeably, maybe a little bit more thinner and not quite as substantive. I think this is what I think they could do, okay? All the ideas that I've been trotting out about using the year one weapons, old fashioned, dire promise, the, you know, the Mananan, the Uriel's gift, all these year one weapons, all these year one armor pools, okay? They could repurpose all of those things for the next annual pass. And that would give them, it would take less bandwidth and power to do that, because that stuff's already in the game. Repurposing it and throwing it into an NPC's loot pool is not nearly as difficult as creating brand new gear and content. Okay, so the next annual pass could basically be giving year one loot a paint job and a purpose, and then they use that to let D2 coast down into first gear while they get, you know, while they start working on the next game. Because they have a mountain of stuff in this game that could be repurposed. The Blind Well Escalation Protocol, um... All the forges could be repurposed, the haunted forest. They have all those that could be repurposed as a part of annual pass content. They have all the NPCs, they have all the NPCs loot pools, they have all those guns and all those pieces of armor. All of that could be repurposed for the next annual pass to free them up and say, we didn't have to create nearly as much original content. We're repurposing existing content and just updating the loot pools. And here's here's seasonal power bumps. That I mean, that would be extremely easier for them to produce than what they gave us in Forge and I'm sure what we're going to get in Penumbra and Joker's Wild will be more substantive than just a repurposing of old content and gear and I know a lot of people will be like well that's recycled content that's so lame I happen to think a lot of those guns are cool and I'd love to chase them and I'd love to chase cool new roles on them and I I have I have no problem I have no problem saying hey we could we could easily have gotten nothing or it could shortchange destiny 3 like this stuff this stuff this stuff is a is a, is a, is a great way uh, is a great way to go Motcell is this event an example of Bungie pushing more of its development time into the future content year 3 or D3 or would you be all right with similar levels of content in the future events like Solstice of Heroes with that in mind I mean I I, I didn't come at him too hard for the Crimson Days event. I was just honest about the event not being that great. I wasn't very critical in my video. I was just like, this is just a lot of recycled stuff with not that much to do in Chase, right? It's just a it's just a lot of nothing, right? It just it doesn't it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like it's worth it to like really kick them right now. Not that they're not that I'm like kicking them while they're down, but 
I don't I don't necessarily think that you're dealing with uh oh man they shortchanged us this is crap this is garbage it's just a yeah well I mean maybe they just knew this wasn't the best time of year for the event um you know maybe maybe this is maybe this is just a again a a way to get us to the next to the next season so that people can people can have a little something to do but again with anthem and all these other games launching they didn't want to pour a bunch of stuff into this to this event we've had great events up till now festival of the lost and the dawning were great events but they were also at different times and at different points in in like game launch schedules so uh Arrow says, what's the viewbot problem? I mean, I already went on the rant and talked about it. There's just, there's, there's always this rhythm of people that want to cheat on the platform of Twitch and it went away for a while. It was really bad. And then it went away for like a year or two and now it's coming back. And it's just really frustrating because a lot of the way that the exposure and discoverability works on Twitch is based on directory rankings and people are able to people are able to manipulate those directory rankings by getting fake views and false views so bubble jet what do you think about the lack of anything new for people that played it last year a bow and a chocolate ghost are cool but the only other new items are locked behind silver uh i find it strange that nothing was added to the ingrams either yeah again i just i didn't i didn't come at them too hard but i i think a lot of it just had to do with the timing and they knew March and the April were going to be really, really full. And because they knew they were going to be really, really full, they just didn't put a lot of chips on the table for this content. And I'm okay with that. I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna really nail them for that um, and say you guys should have made this event so so big. Because truth be told, a lot of us wouldn't have been touching it. Anthem launches tomorrow. So what? Like a couple of days now. If it would have launched, if it would have launched when it was originally supposed to, we probably would have played for a solid, nice little two-week span, and then we would have been able to get, you know, some dope stuff, some dope loot, some packages, some Valentines, whatever the frick. And then you would have been able to see more and more people, you know, kind of in the game at that time. But since they delayed it a week and it was really, really then close to Anthem's launch date, it just makes sense to have it be, I think, a smaller uh, delivery. And you guys know I don't make excuses for Bungie when I feel they do things that are that are, you know, not good or lame. And in this case, I just don't think we needed a huge injection of content right now. So, uh. A-Train says, do you think with such a small amount of availability with the Crimson Days example, it takes maybe an hour to do all the bounties and events and hearts, you should be able to buy multiple bows. That's why I said in my video, my main criticism was what, where's the generosity? Why not be generous, right? Why not be generous? Like, in my mind, like, just pour the stuff on, you know? Pour it on. It's, it's one of those things where they they could have given us a ton of stuff like they did with the the dawning it doesn't hurt anything what like what balance what disruption of power and balance is there going to be if you give a bunch of people mod components and enhancement cores at a really nice clip out of those boxes you know make the boxes maybe a little bit more costly right make them a little bit more costly and then give like a guaranteed package of rewards every time you know Here's an enhancement core, here's a mod component, here's some glimmer, and a random item. You know? You could do that every time, and then that's a fun little grind for people. But instead, it's like, here's a box, oh, you had 200 little candy hearts, and you opened up, I don't know, probably, I probably opened up close to 20 boxes, and I got, what, two enhancement cores and a bunch of blue guns. So... There's, I don't think there's, I don't think, I think they have a lot to gain right now by just being generous when events like this come out. Why? Isn't it better for people to say, what do you want people saying? Holy moly, look at all the stuff I'm getting, dude. You should be playing right now. You know, thank you for two months, Chando. Oh man, you should definitely be playing right now. It's so rewarding. Oh no, people might get too many enhancement cores or mod components. Well, who cares if they're playing? Uh, you know, oh, they, they, we're going to throw off the balance. We're going to throw things off. No, not necessarily. People are stockpiling anyway. Here's another thing they could do. If they were really generous with these events, this is why I said every season you just change the currencies. So all the tokens, any tokens you get for Zavala or anybody, any materials have a season number on it. And when you use that currency, you get items from that season. So your grind is not invalidated. If you grinded, I don't know, 
a hundred nightfalls for whatever the frick reason and you get a ton you get a ton of vanguard tokens they should have a season number on them your, your, your grind's not invalidated you can always turn those tokens in and those tokens always pull from that season's loot pool so if they suddenly decide to be super generous right now and they're giving you mod components and enhancement cores those mod components and enhancement cores if you locked that currency to this season those enhancement cores would only work on gear from this season now it might be hard to do this internally like with the way the game is set up but that's why I said right now in season of the forge instead of getting enhancement cores for like master working items you call them something else you tie it to the forge right you call them enhancement weaves or something and you use them because I mean she's got the she's got the the polymer and the obsidian radiance like the weaves and stuff that you know you, you, you relate it to that kind of language well, you do that, and then if you get that stuff during that season, it's great. If you stockpile a bunch of it, it's not going to help you next season, because next season, Drifter's going to have a currency that you're grinding for and getting, and when you get that currency, you use it on your master working and your infusion and, and the like. You know? That's what you do. I just, in, in the realm in the realm of grind, I think this fear that people are going to stockpile if that's your fear, well, instead of being withholding in case every season. No, 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 it wouldn't be more currencies ion ready. You would see the currencies would go by the wayside. You would be getting Vanguard tokens whether or not it's season 5 or season 6, but if you get a bunch of Vanguard uh, season 5 tokens, they don't only they only give you Vanguard stuff from season 5. It's not more complex. It just shifts the currency to a new to a new group because if not, you're always going to have this problem. You're always going to have the hardcore players stockpiling. And then Bungie has to Bungie has to deal with stockpiling, and then the casuals get annoyed because they're like, "I can't get any enhancement cores. I can't get any of fill in the blank because the earn rate's too slow or whatever the frick." And then what you deal then then what you deal with is you deal with people that, "Oh, well v- the very next uh, the very next thing that we have going on is, um, is, is completely undercut because you have too much currency. Every season you go in and like the grind is undercut because you stockpiled. I'd love them to keep the currency and just give us gobs anyways, then give enough unique loot drops that we have to choose, uh, what to use our gobs of stuff on. They don't have to deal with stockpiling, just let it be, legislate... Uh, the correct engagement levels. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like if if you're always investing in that season, you'd get to the end of the season, they'd be like, hey, your currency's not going to go away, but it's not going to be able to buy you any of the new stuff. You know, Drifter's going to have all these new bounties and all these new guns and all these new earnable things. You're not going to be able to get any of that with, you know, the currency that Ada was giving you. It kind of encases the season. So... That's that's how I would do it. There's a, there's a variety of solutions. You could just do what 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 um the guys in chat are saying. You could just say, "You know what? Who cares if people stockpile that that's what they want to do?" I just think you do start to have depreciating returns when all of the natural means of earn rates get undercut by the previous season's drought like you hit a drought in the previous season and then people stop spending the currency and they just start saving it up it i think that gets i think that just starts to undercut the future value and your comeback would be well so you chose to do that right as a player yeah but i mean you you could again in case every season so that's not happening so that's how I would do it. But I think there's multiple ways to approach it. Um, Bumble17. With only four players required for a game, is there an excuse for solo queuing against a stacked team uh, in a doubles playlist? It's not a major problem, as it's only a small event, but it adds to solo players' frustration in the Crucible. I mean, if you're going into... If, if you're going into that directory, and you're... <sighs> Not directory, I'm sorry. If you're going into that hopper, you're going to that game mode, and you're playing by yourself, I mean, look, I I know it can be frustrating to constantly play by yourself in a, in a realm where when people are on a team, they have an advantage, 
but it's literally called Crimson Doubles. Like, I mean, what do you want them to do? Sure, they should try and favor you going in and only playing against people that are also solo, but bear in mind, the event and the play style appeals to people that are going to play with a buddy. So the playlist is probably very, very heavily, heavily, heavily laden with doubles. Right? Heavily laden with with doubles. Because that's what they're that's what the design of it is. That's like going into a 4v4 or a 3v3 Elim competitive playlist. It's going to appeal to people that play with a team and play organized. So you're going into a pool that probably has a very big slant toward organized teams and teams. So I it's just one of those things where I, I don't think you can ask for them to make allowances for you to go in solo play into Crimson Doubles and have your hand held and have you protected from the big bad boogeyman of a stacked duo. Um, so, and, you know, somebody in chat saying I face a lot of single players. Whenever I played uh, Gambit off stream solo, I never faced stacks, but I always got, I always had people put on my team that had no freaking clue what they were doing. Um, that was always the, my, the woes of, the woes of my experience in solo gambit was not playing stacks. It was getting people on my team that just had zero clue what was going on. And I was always playing against people that were really good at, you know, the race of 25 and the first invade. It's like, why can't I get those people on my team? <laughs> uh, Omega Senshu says, we obviously can't know why they cut the start week out unless they tell us, but what would you think if they refused to extend it into next week to not take away from the huge reveal for next curse week? I mean, I, again, I don't know. I, they, I don't know why they didn't just tell us it was cut, you know? You could just even give a little line about there's just certain elements that aren't ready yet, you know? We have to kind of get some things going and get some things ready, and there's some pieces of the thing that need to be, you know, patched or addressed or whatever the frick. I... I don't know, even just a little generic line, it was just, it's been pushed back. Now, they may have put a generic line. I don't remember seeing one. I, I felt like they they just said it's been pushed back. It seemed like they didn't really tell us even the slightest reason as to why it got pushed back. Uh, SB87 says, Do you see a place for PvE missions or adventure content for two-man teams to expand on Crimson Doubles in the future? I mean, I kind of liked it when it was like going with just two people. Go do a nightfall, go do a strike, go do a story mission with just two people. I thought that was cool. Um, I don't know. I thought that was a, I thought that was neat. Doing a, a, a nightfall two man wasn't particularly challenging, but I don't know. They could they could definitely lean in on that a little bit more. What got pushed back? Crimson Days was supposed to start last week and be a two week event, so it got pushed back, and it was only relegated to this week. And we don't really know why it got pushed back. They never, they never said. Um, they never gave us any indication as to why. I, I mean, again, I'm not going to sweat it. Dragon Tat. With a small event like Crimson Days, why do you think Bungie can't produce new cosmetics to chase? I mean, how hard is it to reskin a weapon with a hard emblem or some shaders? Right. That's why I didn't really understand why it was so thin with respect to what you could earn. It was just a lot of recycled. Again, you could almost hear the logic, though, of saying the event's going to land right around the week of Anthem's early launch, so we we don't want to be spending a ton of time on an event that'll probably be very largely overshadowed by Anthem. So let's just recycle a bunch of stuff. We can pivot our resources to future content that's going to land at a better time, and... I think that was probably the logic. Now, they're not going to come out and tell you that, but I don't think it's that hard to look at Anthem's launch and be like, that probably played a part in the decision. Um, and Anthem, you know, because they know the lead up to Anthem is going to be trailers, it's going to be, you know, all kind of stuff leading up to the launch of Anthem, which means all eyes start to kind of shift toward that. They also know Bungie's not ever surprised by. Bungie's never surprised by going going into the rhythmic seasonal content and seeing, you know, the seeing the player base numbers go down, right? They they're never surprised by that. It's not it's not it's not a uh, a surprise thing. So I think they knew this was coming and they knew are people really going to come clamoring back for Crimson Days? Probably not. And 
they probably just decided to kind of punt a little bit and not put a ton of time and effort into it. You know? Uh, Daniel, what's the best class uh, to do in the Leviathan and the equipment where you win there is good? The best class to do Leviathan and the equipment you win there is good? I mean, there's some gun. There, there's a gun there that you're going to want to get if you're looking for a good hand cannon. Um, the the Midnight Coup is one of the best, if not the best, hand cannon in the game, right? But the the rest the rest of the stuff in the rest of the stuff inside of the Leviathan is just not really worth it. The SMG, the Pulse is really good. I'm sorry, the Pulse is really really good. Uh, Pulse is actually very very strong in in Crucible. Um, and if you like rocket launchers, Sins of the Past is a good rocket launcher. It do, it's not suddenly bad. Rockets just aren't in a great place with respect to ammo. They don't have a lot of ammo, and they, they're they kind of slow, but they're still good. You're not. I just don't think you're going to go in there and be like, oh my gosh, my whole world has changed because I got Sins of the Past. Now, in the past... In the past, you wanted that you wanted that gun, and there was good reason to go after it because of uh, the nature of the power weapon situation at launch was very much driven by rocket launchers. Uh, UO Cuff says, "Why don't you give Escalation Protocol the Year Two treatment? Oh, why don't they give it the two to, to the Year Two treatment? Uh, other things from this uh, from Year One, people are still clearly playing. I mean." I think they're going to hold off. I think Haunted Forest was a really good experiment. I think that the Blind Well and Escalation Protocol were also pieces of content that you could very easily invest time into or repurpose. Uh, I definitely think that's a thing that they could do. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see that in the next annual pass. They just, they've created a lot of good good containers. They really did. We've got four forges, Escalation Protocol, the Blind Well. You've got, um, and then you got the Haunted Forest. Well, the Infinite Forest, I'm sorry. But the Haunted Forest was like how they, they you know, repurposed it and used it. So I think there's a lot that they could do with with that idea of saying, oh, here's loopable content. We made this in the past. Now it's different. We've got some bosses and we've got some loot in there. Right, I loved the Haunted Forest. I thought the Haunted Forest was really, really cool. I thought it was a really, really fun, um, a really fun activity. Um, you know, I thought that they, I thought they did, I thought they did something that nobody was really expecting, and it was just a really, a really solid grind. Uh, Daniel, what do you think about the future of Destiny? It'll come with more DLCs or new seasons, and what will be the publisher of the game? Well, Bungie's self-publishing now, so they're the publisher. They they're 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 going they're going indie baby you know what I mean like that's they made that they made that clear they made that very clear in their announcement give me one second so they're they're the they're the publisher now as far as the DLCs and seasons I already answered this I think we're gonna get something in September and then a, a thinner a thinner annual pass after but I think it's gonna be more about repurposing old content and gear uh carnage do you think these mini events help or hurt the game as a player like myself I've been playing apex or other new titles coming out destiny's become stale I don't want to play forsaken content every week for enhanced perks on gear uh, as that's all I'm chasing now. Crimson Days doesn't entice me to play Destiny doubles PvP for a bow, emote, and a shell. Well, right, and that's what I've been talking about. Like, I think they knew this wasn't going to be a big time for player engagement. When Bungie looked at the scope of their annual pass, they know it's going to be like a big, a big start, and then it settles into a number, and then it tapers off. That's how it always, always goes. So they knew... They knew they didn't they didn't have like a delusion of like, oh, dude, we're going to get into mid-February and there's still going to be tons of people playing. That's just how the game has always gone. It has always been one where the rhythm of content and the rhythm of player engagements very, very predictable. I told people weeks ago this was going to happen. I said, as we get distance from the new things, the new forges, the last word, the, you know, the things that were pulling people back in, I said, the player base numbers will go down. And in conjunction with that, you've got other games launching. You've got Crimson, I'm sorry, you've got Anthem. You have, uh, you have the, uh, the, the, the division. You had betas for those games. I told people, I said, people are going to come in. They're going to say, sky is falling, game is dying, game is dead. 
and they did the exact same thing during year three of Destiny. They did the exact same thing when Age of Triumph wore off and the numbers started kind of going back down. Like, the people that the people that come in and say that are as literally they're as predictable as the fact that the number is going to go up and down. I said people were going to come in and do that, and they literally were in here the other day. It's like you're you're as predictable as the weather sometimes, you know. Like you know they're going to come in and do that. It's just it's been happening for four years. It's not they're not saying anything new. They're trash parrots. That's what they do on the internet. And then once they get their kicks out of coming into Destiny streamer streams. And trying to act like, oh, your stream's gonna die, this game's gonna die, because they're jealous of streamers getting to do what they do, so they, they want to celebrate anything th- to them that smacks of failure. Well, they'll just move on to something else. That's just what they do. They've always done this. They'll downvote a Call of Duty trailer, and then they'll go harass a streamer, and then they'll go on, you know, on Reddit, and they'll find something else to hate, and, and, and then they'll go like an Instagram picture of an egg and then they'll you know what I mean you're you're dealing with you're dealing with the the low end spectrum of intelligence in the world you're you're dealing with you're dealing with drones they're just mindless little worker bee drones that just do what the crowd does and that's why every time there's a player dip I know we're going to have to hear people coming in and saying dead game, dying game, blah 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 because they've been doing it for four years you would think after four years they would start to think like the guy who keeps predicting the end of the world and has to keep updating his dates you think they would kind of become like that like well I guess we're wrong we keep saying this and we've been saying this for four years maybe you know but again what's the definition of insanity right Uh, Texas Heat says do you think the current quality quantity of content from the annual pass is enough for Destiny 2 to stay relevant in the gaming landscape until Destiny 3? Yeah. Yeah. The alternative the alternative is what they used to do, and that was awful. I mean, if they could survive by delivering like Curse and Warmind and, and the Dark Below and House of Wolves and then making us wait like a really, really long time to get anything, if they can pull that off, I think this is significantly better. Now, obviously, and I said this when the annual pass stuff started and we were grinding and we were doing stuff and the player base numbers looked good. I said this when the player base numbers looked good after Forsaken. I was like, there will always be a ceiling. Even though they're working against having droughts, there will always be a ceiling. People will always get to the point where they're like, yep, I've got nothing to do. And the player base numbers go down. And then the new season starts and Season of the Drifter hits and there's new things to chase and new activities. And then people come back, they play, they chase, they grind, they get bored, they move on. Wash, rinse, repeat. Like, that's just something that happens. And people have always tried to claim, like, this game's gonna kill Destiny, Destiny's gonna die. People are so ignorant that they actually do this with Fortnite. Like, Fortnite's dead, Fortnite's dying, you know, because Apex gets to sit on on the throne for a little while. I mean, this is what people do. They're just completely ignorant about the flow of gaming and relevancy and hype and what drives what drives games to be in front of people and what drives people to play games. They just they like to the, the tribalism is addicting, you know. Tribalism is addicting because it makes you feel important, you know. You brag about your sports team. You brag about your your team that wins something. You you oh well look how many consoles. Why like why do people give a a a, a freaking rat's booty cheeks about how many PS4s there are in circulation? But every time that subject came up, they were like, oh Sony's winning. Sony's beating Microsoft. What the frick? Do you care how many Hondas there are on the road? Do you care how many people do this with the freaking iPhone for crying out loud? You know tribalistic about a dadgum phone it's just what people do it's it's a form of self-importance it's just a form of self-importance and so it's what ha- it, it always happens with consoles with games with politics with religion with everything it's just it's just a very very easy source of power you can tap into to feel self-important and to feel better than other people it's just a very very accessible cheap source of power it's like a drug it's that like you get a little hit and you feel good for a little while and then you hit it again, you know. 
join the mob and do this and hate on this thing and hate on that thing and harass this person and move on to the next and do it again and again and again and again slowly eroding at their own sense of like self-worth their own conscience like they're just becoming a shell of a person that just parrots garbage on the internet because it makes them feel powerful for a few seconds and then they're going to turn around, they're going to have a seared conscience, no friends, and a room full of shadows, and then that's going to be, that. I mean, that's it. That's their life, you know? Living in some fantasy land where they feel cool on the internet for a few seconds. Something that can be channeled for good is just channeled for terrible things. That's exactly what, that's exactly what, like, really, really harmful and addictive drugs are, right? There are, there are chemicals and resources in the world for good, medicinal healing purposes, and those things get used for ill and they're destructive and they ruin people's lives. It's a very similar thing with the internet. The internet is used for so much good and charity and helping people and raising money for good causes. These are all things that these are all things that you see happening and then you see people using it for evil. It's just I don't know. Just the way the world works. It's a sad reality. Uh don't do it. Do you think events would be better received if they were rehashed from other previous events than uh, that were well received with loot for the newer event? Maybe have a chance to get stuff you missed. Well, I mean, they kind of did that, right? If you missed Last Crimson Days, there was some cool stuff to get. If you missed the Last Crimson Days, there's new cool stuff to get. But they didn't add anything. So I think I think you're right. They could have just rehashed it. Hey, if you missed the stuff last time, here's some new stuff and then you could go and get it and then you'd have new stuff too, you know. Ever notice when someone's sports teams wins, they make it sound like they were a part of the team, but if they lose, they disown them? Seems like the mentality for games which I don't get. Right, it's because if you really, really want to break it down, like if you want to break down what people are doing to to at its core, when they do that poochie, when they do it with celebrities, when they do it with streamers, you are a consumer. You've been trained and groomed to be a consumer and you treat people, sports teams, products, everything is something for you to consume and cast aside once it bores you. It's like... The car that you get on Christmas morning that two days later is collecting dust in the corner of your room because it's not as cool as you thought it was going to be is just like what happens when a celebrity has a mental breakdown. Whether it's Britney Spears shaving her head in public or Justin Bieber coming unglued as a young man that had, you know, nobody around him helping him think wisely or smartly about his life and was had, you know, bad influence all around him as he was growing as a young man. Like, we sit and consume them like vampires and then when we're done with them cast them to the side that person's nuts that person's an a-hole that person's a jerk you know we just throw them over our shoulder and on to the next it's like a candy bar wrapper oh man this celebrity this person they're so cool they're so great oh they made a mistake they said something bad they had a mental breakdown they're not perfect they cussed out the paparazzi throw them over my shoulder they're garbage screw them hate them they're terrible same thing with a sports team same thing and that's what happens that's why like I said earlier today being a public figure doing streaming and doing YouTube is terrifying because that's exactly what people will do to you if you say or do anything that they don't like you know or they'll try to bait you they'll try to like bait you into saying something and then clip it and try to ruin you why? because they're so miserable that they want to spread misery they are a misery evangelist that's their life right when people try to spread the good news of their religion right they are an evangelist for their belief system when someone is an evangelist for misery it's because that's what consumes them they are a misery evangelist and that's why I never let them bother me because it's like how dark is your soul and mind if this is what you do with your time? That's you got to be a pretty unhappy person. Uh, Cat's paw. Greetings, I'm a returning player that's been playing catch up. Uh, I've hit light five nine three. My question is: any advice for getting the final cosmetic seed for the last subclass mid tree unlock? Love the content. Doesn't he just need to do um, the last cosmetic seed? It's not cosmetic. Oh, cosmic seed. I think you just have to do the forge, don't you? Chat's gonna have to help me out on this one. I actually uh, don't know. <laughs> I actually don't know. Um, 
the answer here. I don't. I don't know where you get the final seed. Third curse week. Oh, you have to do tier four of the blind well. Blind well tier four. And they have to do... Okay. Okay. There you go. There's your answer. Uh, If you had to pick between Borderlands 3 or Destiny 3 and why... Oh gosh, why would you? No, I don't. I'm not gonna pick. I'm not gonna answer this question. I, I wouldn't be able to pick or pick why. No, I mean, as a streamer, I if if you're making me pick Borderlands three coming out and then no Destiny three or Destiny three coming out and then no Borderlands three, well, I'd have to pick Destiny three because Destiny three not coming out, the Destiny franchise ending abruptly or suddenly would be very bad for me as a streamer (laughs) like borderlands 3 would be good to me but it wouldn't be destiny um it certainly wouldn't be destiny so i uh i'd have to pick destiny 3 just as a businessman (laughs) like you know destiny's continued to get better and better with time in my opinion and destiny 3 could be the full culmination of everything they've learned Cryptic Chaos, do you think potential sales of D3 has been hurt by how D2 has done? Granted, it's better now, but Vanilla D1 and Vanilla D2 had some issues. Well, I just, I think anything they had planned for D3 got halted, and they, they, they I think they devoted all their resources on Forsaken. Forsaken's meant to be a template for the future. So, whatever, whatever they had planned for Destiny 3, I think it's been shelved. I think the fact that Luke Smith is the franchise director now also points to the fact that they're not going to go the casual way. They're not going to go the, the the way of of easy easy content. I think it's going to be more RPG driven. Mad Cow. But now the community a bit uh what new game elements or items did they add that were new to Crimson this year? They added a bow and a ghost. It was basically the same event other than that. That was essentially it. Uh Ginger 300, would you ever like to see Zavala have wanted bounties similar to Spider since there are wanted enemies in strikes? I mean, I think Zavala needs... Oh, I'm sorry, and an emote. There's a new emote. I think Zavala does need bounties. I talked about that in my video where I said get rid of milestones. I also talked about that in my video on how strikes are pointless. Zavala does need bounties. He does need purpose. I don't think he needs wanted bounties. Um, I think he could just use bounties with specific gear that you can get. And then after you get that specific gear... Uh, after you get that specific gear... You can do it again next week and have it rotating. So, Rusty, with Anthem, BR Games, Division 2, and Destiny 2 all having game as service model, are you feeling burnout at all? I get kind of anxious about putting down Destiny uh, or about not playing Overwatch during an event. FOMO gets roughed uh, in gaming these days. Any thoughts of that trend within gaming? Primetime75, thank you for your brand new Prime sub. Um, <clears throat> that's on you, I guess. It's it's not on game companies. Like, what's a game company supposed to say? Well, we better not make this game of service game or this hobbyist style game because we don't want people to get burned out. We don't want people to play too much. That, what, no. I wouldn't want them to say that. I'm, keep making great games. Keep making amazing stuff. I That... You getting burned out, I, that's not, I mean, that's, that's a, this is a trend in games that's good because I want there to be more to do, more to chase, more looter shooters to go after, and that allows people to really pick the games that they really, truly like, you know? I don't think this is a bad thing in the industry at all. It's a good thing, in my opinion. Spike, do you believe eight to one gun grind is actually... Uh, will actually expand to the game. I certainly hope so. I think it's one of the coolest things they've done with respect to intentional weapon grind. Coaster Mac with 29 months. Welcome back. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I think it's one of the coolest things they've ever done, and I, I want more of it. Personally, I want more of it. I want more intentional weapon grind. I, it's just it's a fun little loop. You can chase certain roles. If they combine it with good pinnacle weapons, with good pinnacle roles, then I think you could. I think you got a real winner. I think you got a real winner on your hands. Uh, Zach Attack. Are you part of the EA Game Changer program now? Yes. My invite to the capture event in San Francisco was part of uh, being brought into the EA Game Changer program. 
Um, and I know there have been people that have left me comments on my YouTube saying they can't trust me now. I'm a sellout. I'm a shill. I was never given any instructions about what to say or what not to say. Uh, I was never told what to not cover. Uh, I was never given talking points about anything within Anthem, whether it's the microtransactions or the end game. The only thing we were told not to do was not to take a screenshot of the store because at the event we were playing a, a build that just had placeholders in the store. That was the only thing we were told not to do. They said that information is outdated. If that gets out to the public, it'll be false information. That was literally the only instructions I was given. So as far as as far as like people thinking that game changers have to praise the game, I don't think that's the case because I've seen plenty of videos and commentary from other people, myself included, that has been fair and measured. You know, when it's come to the microtransactions, I've said earn rate is what matters most. They need to have a good earn rate. I have that's me saying and drawing a bit of a line in the sand. Right? And also, I said that I felt like they bumbled their demo a little bit. I said they should have had tutorials in there about the combos because you weren't educating the public at large about how fun the game could be. Um, so I was not I was not holding back and like playing with kid gloves uh, in in this realm. I wasn't. I, I think I have done a good job covering the game. I've also said that I have question marks about, endgame extension you know these are things i've talked about i've not towed the line of positive talking points so um i don't know i feel like whenever i get asked this question i have to speak to all those things because people think that once you are an ea game changer you have all these things that you are forced to do and say and that's just simply not the case I would never stay in the program if that was the case anybody that's familiar with my content knows that i would never be like muzzled or dictated to what I'm supposed to say, um, yeah. That we, we yeah we weren't paid anything by the way. People are like oh you're paid to promote the game. No we're not. I wasn't paid anything. My 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 airline ticket and my hotel was paid for, and they provided me with food because that's what you do for a capture event. Hey, would you like to come to California and play our game? Sure. Okay, buy your tickets and get out here. It's going to cost you a ton of money. Well, that wouldn't work. You know, I, that wouldn't work. That would be like, nobody would nobody want to do that. Oh, so I'm going to take time from streaming and making money and spend money to travel? That's why I don't go to TwitchCon. It's like, <laughs> you're not even going to give partners a decent discount, you know? I don't go to TwitchCon for that reason. I may start going. I don't know. I just, I don't like flying all the way out there and not streaming and everything else. It's just like... It, <laughs> It, it doesn't it doesn't translate into a, 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 a winsome environment if you're telling people they have to spend money to come to the capture event that'd be weird um, gift cards I don't know what you mean by that we weren't given any gift cards the uh, the program is just an opportunity for them to have people in positions where they feel like hey We've got people out there that we can feed content early, have come to events, they're positive voices in the community, and you know, they're gonna they're gonna be able to they're gonna be able to to talk about our game. And again, you're not gonna bash the game. Like we're not allowed to say that all the things that you know, oh EA is trash and they're money hungry, the game's gonna suck. Why would you say that? Number one, why would you accept into the be, be accepted in the program? Why would you get into the program if that's what you were gonna say? So you're only muzzled to the degree that I'm muzzled with every single sponsor that I have. Any sponsor that I'm in relationship with, if I started talking like trash about G Fuel or Control Freaks or Neo Bars, any of the products that I use on a regular basis and I enjoy, if I suddenly started talking trash about them, that would be the termination of the sponsorship and that just kind of makes sense. So... It's that's 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 the normal garden variety sponsorship relationship. Uh, Spike asking the question: Do streamers influence Bungie for in-game decisions and, and changes? I think we have a voice as much as the people on Reddit, Twitter, YouTube, whatever. I think we all have a voice, right? I don't think Bungie's like, okay, guys, let's get out our let's get out our triage of importance chart here, and let's say. 
streamers are a 10 and and these guys on reddit are a two and these guys on twitter are three okay so when we weigh all this out the streamers have more influence like i just don't think so um and that's why i've tried to provide an environment like this with question and answer so at any point in time if bungie wants to listen in or watch a video they can get a pretty broad sampling of what the community thinks hey what's the community think about crimson days you know, well, Lono's saying it wasn't very good. It's pretty thin. I don't think they would disagree with me. <laughs> I don't think they would disagree with what I said. And they would say, well, what's the community think? What, what were the questions? How does the question and answer session go? Oh, it was pretty consistent today. You guys all kind of agreed. Eh, it wasn't that big of a, it wasn't that good of an event. A couple people said they'd like to see more PvP specific game modes coming out. You know? I, but streamers don't like hold more importance. It's not like I can send a DM or like a big streamer can send a DM to Bungie and say, hey, can you change this thing? And they're like, yes, sir, right away, sir. That's just not a thing that happens really in any game. That doesn't happen in any game. You know? Now, sure, you could get the ear of them if there's a problem or you want to report a bug, and you could get them to kind of like put it on their radar a little bit quicker. So, other than that, no, there is not a uh, there's not a clear and defined sort of pathway of influence from streamers to Bungie. So that's going to conclude the question and answer. Don't go anywhere. I've got some cool things to talk to you guys about and show stuff to you. If you're here live, just click the follow button if you've enjoyed this content and stick around. i got some cool stuff. And if you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, be sure to come on into the stream and hang out with us. Twitch.tv slash say no to rage. And if I'm not live, click follow so you can catch these question and answer sessions. As always, I appreciate you listening and watching to all of my content. Please like, share, and subscribe.